0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The Film Freaks. Today, I am your host, Maddie G, and with me, as per usual, with every single episode, can't seem to escape him, but you gotta love his voice, or not, who knows, it's Derek! Hello? Hello? Oh, boy.
1: Ah, alright. Uh, Where are we? I'm sorry, Maddie G. Ah What well, what happened? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who left what? my recording equipment out? It wasn't you, Maddie G, was it? No. No. I'm not even there. It's recording too. It's as if you deliberately teamed up with somebody and hit record. Oh, you can't or blame me on this one, because I'm not even in the same room as you this
0: time. Wait, what? Which uh, actually is kind of sad. Oh, I well. I miss the live recordings.
1: I do, too. Oh, oh, well, there's probably somebody down here in the basement with me, but, you know, it's probably yeah. for the usual anyhow. I mean, what else is new? All right. Well, Probably we're just, just gonna some roll with ghost it. Ghost or something. Probably. We're just gonna roll with it. So, how are you, Maddie G?
0: <laughs> I'm doing well. You and I went to the mall the other day, and uh, of Did course, we? you saw me spend my life savings on Pokemon cards. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you spent like way too much yeah, money. Yeah, it was, than it was I think way gonna... too much.
0: But yeah, there was that new deck that released. Fair That's enough. The main thing
1: that I was excited for. And then there was that new Yu Gi Oh game that came out mobile cross duel yeah that's all right it's different and then
0: that was, that was kind of fun i actually kind of like that
1: yeah we're gonna play it soon and then sure. we also started you got your first starter deck for Oh, mm-hmm. but the best part of the weekend in my opinion personally was how bad your baseball team was when the blue jays played the texas rangers now for those of you that don't know maddie g's favorite team in the mlb at least for now is the toronto blue jays no, it's gonna
0: be now and forever because Blue Jays.
1: I love Blue Jays. Well, you can just bugger right off. No, I'm happy that you found a team though. My team is the Texas oh, hey. Rangers because I was born in Texas, around the Dallas area, and therefore, you know, gotta support my hometown. So for the whole weekend, Maddie G and I were absolute bitter rivals. Okay, we were mortal enemies. All right, until about midnight uh, last night. When I said, okay, you know what? It's like I flipped a switch. I just went, "Ah, oh, okay. I don't hate the Blue Jays as much anymore. Dude, how about Bo Bichette being player of the week? dude that's actually really good anyway all right well we're not here to talk about our weekend in sports are we what are we here to talk about this is not a sports podcast if you come
0: here for sports you're in the wrong place i'm sorry to tell you
1: go listen to our other podcast that we totally don't have no we actually don't have a sports podcast maybe i don't know i don't know maybe we'll come up with something go listen to
0: whatever it was called uh go my favorite sports team or whatever hosted by mark
1: Really I, don't know. I don't know.
0: They actually do they have a podcast for that or something. I never checked it out, but
1: Well go anyway. What are we talking about today?
0: This is a movie podcast. We're talking about some spooky stuff that's coming up since it is getting around that season, you know? It's spooky season and already. I can't wait, I'm, better... I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, yeah. Oh I'm jumping up and down, you can't see it, but I'm so excited. I love this well, this is my favorite What time of better
0: year. way to celebrate the spooky season than to remember All of our favorite holidays around this time. Halloween!
1: Halloween, when we say Halloween, what we're implying here is we are covering Halloween 1978. And what this is going to do is this is going to actually lead us into our horror fest, you know, kind of event or whatever we're doing. And so what we'll be doing for like, I think maybe for the rest of this month, but also... Kind of, sorta, of, but not really. We're still gonna do Terminator two. Okay, everybody's probably like, Why aren't you guys covering Terminator Two? Yes, it's coming. Just bear with us. We had to do Lamageddon because we have our reasons and no we weren't sponsored. Anyway, so this is the gonna be Terminator lead
0: us- will return. You cannot yeah. escape this.
1: Yes. He will be back. We we promise. <laughs> but what this is gonna do is this is gonna lead us into the month of October. And all the way over to Halloween. Now, there are only so many weeks between now, when this episode is being released, and Halloween, that we need to start covering them now if we're going to get through what it is that we want to get through, right? So, that being said... And there's a
0: lot to cover.
1: Yeah, and that being said, we probably should have mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast. But with me now being back in school and Matty G, uh, you know, editing these these episodes, our schedule is also going to change. So instead of Mondays at eight a.m., it will be—correct me if I'm wrong—Fridays at eight p.m. If I'm not mistaken, or is it eight a.m. on Fridays?
0: Hey, this is Medi G cutting in real quick just to say that we decided on Friday at 8am. Just a quick little note to clear up any confusion.
1: But anyway, so that's what we're gonna do. That's our plan. We're going Eastern. We're gonna be uploading these. And that's only until about Christmas, and then I believe at the beginning of the year. We'll get to that when we get to it, and we will discuss it at that time. Anyhow, enough rambling from us. Let's get into this. So... Going into this, I have actually seen this movie several times. This is my favorite slasher film of all time. And I'm curious to see, with you being a newcomer to this, what you thought. But before that, we're actually going to do what we do in every episode, it seems like now. We're going to play Guess the Budget. Now, for those of you that have listened and been listening to the podcast for quite a while, we very much appreciate you, first and foremost. But second, you've probably heard me tell Maddie G what the budget was to this movie, this very movie Halloween nineteen seventy-eight. So he can't remember. So we're gonna have him answer the question, Matty G, what was the budget for this movie? What do you think the budget was? And we're gonna see and point and laugh at him when he's wrong. Anyway, what do you think well, what do you think the budget was? <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Well you said that for the movie Saw it was a budget of one million and we already know how well that went. Yes. I I'm inclined to believe that this movie had less of a budget. But, of course, we saw how well it still did.
1: So Saw, the first Saw, alright? Seesaw, Saw, the first Saw, was $1.2 million. So, not f- too far off. And I'm kind of rounding from memory. but Yeah, I, I just rounded yeah.
0: it to a million because it's just yeah. generally what so, we've been saying.
1: Go ahead and what do you think Halloween 1978 budget I'm price. gonna go half that. I'm gonna say
0: five hundred thousand.
1: This is gonna blow your mind. For a budget of a whopping three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, they created this movie. John Carpenter Helmed Halloween. Fair enough.
0: I mean, I guess I wasn't incredibly far off,
1: but no, not really, Still, but it's still impressive. And this is one of those movies where I think you can kind of see how they made the movie. Now I have a lot of love and passion behind this. I've actually met, I believe his name is Tony Moran, who actually played more wore the suit for some of the movie. I didn't meet Nick Castle, who is the actual guy that wears it in this movie like the mask and everything. But yeah, no this this is a remarkable movie. I want to go ahead and let you actually lead us off here.
0: First things first, this is actually my second slasher film that I've ever seen. The first one being Nightmare on Elm Street that you and I watched together so long ago. I believe before we met again yes. more recently yes. at work.
1: It was so far back. This is like 6 years ago or something, 8 years ago. So yeah. crazy. We're going to watch it again.
0: I would still say that Nightmare on Elm Street is my personal favorite just because of the memory behind it. But this was still a good movie to sit down and watch, even though we did have a few interruptions. But, you know, what can you do? Fair enough. I still enjoyed my time watching it. What about you with the multiple times that you've seen it? Like, what are your thoughts and opinions on it?
1: So my thing with this movie is I am under the impression, and this is my personal opinion, hence the podcast. I feel personally that this is the best slasher film we have gotten of all time. The reason is because Michael Myers is just such an amazing character, and you're going to see in later movies when he gets, and what I mean by the later movies is we're going to be doing Halloween 78, then Halloween 2018, then Halloween Kills, and then building up to the finale of, Halloween Ends. We will be covering Halloween Ends. You will see throughout that canonical timeline what I interpret as Michael Myers actually getting angry, like enraged. And you'll see when he's angry because it, it's very obvious. But oh, this, is, boy. this is Michael just being Michael. And I absolutely love this. I guess the big things for me was not only was it a low budget, this was going to originally be called the babysitter murders. And it was a whole thing where if you don't know the story behind it, by the way, I recommend everybody go and check it out after listening or even pause it and pause this podcast and go check it out and come back. It was the middle of March and they needed a villain, right? They needed a big serial killer for this movie that they're making, The Babysitter murder. They went ahead and went to a convenience store or whatever and grabbed this mask, this Will Shatner mask, and they removed the sideburns, and they, I believe, removed the eyebrows as well, widened the eyes, painted it white, dyed the hair black. And really, that was the mask, and that's the mask we all know and love. It's really hard for me to pinpoint what exactly I love about this movie, but I think it's just everything clicks and it's so low budget and it works so well that I think it almost speaks for itself. There is no reason why Michael Myers has to be hunting Laurie Strode. He just does. I think that right there is scary enough in and of itself. There's no reason for him to be pure evil and the embodiment of actual, absolute evil. He just is. Evil doesn't need a reason to exist. And I don't think Michael does either. And I respect Rob Zombie for what he tried to do in the first Halloween, you know, his first Halloween in 2008. But this is, without a doubt, just what really kind of popped off the slasher genre. You know, we had Texas Chainsaw Massacre back in, uh... Oh, God, what was it in the 60s? Yeah, so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, came out in 1974. So that is three years before, or four years, actually, before Halloween. That's really the closest we got, and we'll do an episode on that eventually. But it's just remarkable how this movie just comes together. I don't know it's really hard for me to express what I loved but yeah I
0: can definitely see what you're talking about as well because there there was a lot of stuff with this movie that I personally enjoyed too just the way that they did the camera trickery to reveal the villain and then the camera pans off to the side just for like a split second and then it pans back and he's
1: gone just see and that that was one of the original films to actually do that too not this ho- hollywood nuance you know modern hollywood bs this was the movie that i actually did it originally and really or at least to my knowledge what i do want to tell you by the way is with a budget of three hundred thousand dollars, it actually went on to gross 47 million in the U.S. alone and in 2008 takings that would be equivalent of 150 million dollars making Halloween one of the most successful independent films of all time so and that's just off of IMDB I have a few trivia facts I'm reading off of IMDB John Carpenter's intent with the character of Michael Myers was that the audience should never be able to relate to him really Halloween was shot in 28 in 20 days in the spring of 1978 and, and said, the
0: entire plan was that you have a villain that you just don't relate to.
1: Yep. The story is based on an experience John Carpenter had in college touring a psychiatric hospital. Carpenter met a child who stared at him, quote, with a look of evil, and it terrified me, unquote. And that kind of, I think, goes back to Loomis saying the darkest eyes, the devil's eyes. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Yeah. So what is there this?
0: Was, there was like some sort of quote in the movie where they said that, didn't they?
1: Yes, that is that is Loomis, I believe, talking to the sheriff bracket about the, uh, you know, just Michael when he was his psychologist or whatever. I want you to go yeah. ahead and give a quick less than two minute recap. So what is this about? So basically what
0: this movie is about is you're following this girl. I forget her name. Laurie Strode. Yeah, Laurie Strode. And basically she's just going through her life, really. And she finds out that there's this weird, creepy guy stalking her the whole time. And of course, that's the villain we don't know why this entirely why this is happening but apparently this guy wants her dead the police are in on it too they know something about what happens long ago there's the whole intro sequence where you get this kid that grabs the knife and stabs her sister to death and i think the other guy too nope no just in this
1: one it's just the sister i think yeah i think rob zombie made it so that he and we can watch it if you want to. In the Rob Zombie one, he goes on to kill his dad first, then his sister's boyfriend, then the sister, and then the mom kills herself because Michael, like, just went crazy and she kinda blames mm-hmm. herself. And it leaves Lori as his sister. But and in in the later movies they actually like in this in the next movie after this one, if you follow the original Halloween movies, it's explained that Lori's his sister, but we don't really need that and that was cut out for the new stuff as well. So the modern yeah the modern canon, he is no not even related. He just one day picked up a knife and decided to go after his sister, got in a, a psychiatric ward, and then Broke out and went after Lori for absolutely no reason at all. Yeah. Which is scary. Either way. Which is very scary, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. But either way, a police are trying to track down this guy. Michael Put him Myers. behind bars if possible. Come on,
1: you can say his name. He's the goat of slashers, in my opinion. Michael Myers. You can say it. It's okay, Matt.
0: <laughs>
1: it's okay. The police
0: want Michael Myers behind bars or at least subdued in some way. There you go. We don't know why he's doing all this. We just know that he's bad, he's evil, and he wants to
1: kill. So I think one of my favorite things going into this... let's, Let's go ahead and tear it down. One of my favorite things about this movie is the absolute... Well, I'll go into this. I love, absolutely love how the camera was used and what I mean by that is a lot of it was actually handheld so what you'll get in a lot of cinema is a lot of crane steady shots if you take a movie like the Batman for example my favorite film of this year by far but it's actually not as far as ahead as you'd think because Unbearable Weight mass of Massive Talent was that good too but anyway <laughs> but seriously though you you will see a lot of these solid shots like you never see the camera move around you know you, you don't see yeah. it wobble so in this when laurie's walking around the house or when michael walks up the stairs i believe certain scenes like that where it really needs to intensify the suspense and the whole you know oh my goodness and the adrenaline and everything the camera actually wobbles like a handheld and it's because we as humans we bob up and down when we walk and our hands are not made to hold a camera perfectly still and so it's it's amazing when you actually see these low budget movies you and take advantage of that handheld operating you know and I'll, I'll show you more when we're done with the podcast but it, it just goes I think that much further what I also wanted to tell you was or actually ask you rather do you remember how much blood you saw in this movie
0: I mean there wasn't an incredible amount and when you did see it it was kind of obvious it was fake but at the same time you know they still got the job done
1: well I'll actually, I'm going to knock your socks off here when I say this. To my knowledge, and we saw, so what we do is we actually get a lot of our movies on voodoo. If we don't own them, when there's a voodoo sale, we'll buy some of them. So I actually think that maybe they put an extra thing thing or two in to my knowledge in the 4k edition maybe but i don't i only seem to recall one instance where they use blood and that was when michael killed the uh truck driver and stole his like the mechanic other than that there's like the scene where he pinned the guy to the wall to the door with the knife and no blood you know he he kills various characters throughout the movie and there's barely any blood yeah that was a
0: little weird to me when he got pinned to the Actually, it was like a closet doors.
1: Well, let's talk about it then. Go ahead.
0: But, yeah, so I can't talk about this w- without it being at least a little bit awkward.
1: But, well, go ahead and give a little context. Give a little context to the scene. So
0: this guy and this girl hang out together. Come they're, on, man. Well, no one's home. You got this. And they know it. So <laughs> they're having a little bit of their own personal fun.
1: It's the 80s. I mean, come on
0: yeah you, 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 it seems like a common theme with these movies to say you gotta have something in there where a guy and a girl are going at it together yeah but anyways so the girls left in the bedroom after they have their fun and the guy leaves to get a beer from the fridge well he gets assaulted by michael myers surprise surprise michael myers comes out and assaults this guy choker hold up against the wall he held up off of his feet stabs the knife through his chest somehow all the way through to the point in which it pegs him into the door and he's suspended in the air just like that even though the knife really isn't
1: that long
0: but there's no blood
1: or anything yeah So, I mean,
0: at the same time, there is a little bit of distance from the camera to where the
1: scene is. Here's the reason. So, when you only have $325,000, you can't afford the gallons and gallons of fake blood that a lot of these other bigger budget films actually have. So, they had to use it very sparingly. And what you'll see is that when you go back and watch it, you don't really ever see but a silhouette of Michael and the dude i think his name is tom or something but you don't ever see him very well and i think the best part is it's kind of to help you know hide the fact that we don't have fake blood but one of my favorite moments was actually where actually a couple of them these are pretty linear right here he stands back and he turns his head a little bit as if he's admiring his work and then he turns it the other way what do you think of that i think that added a lot of character wouldn't you say to yeah, the of that,
0: that gave a little bit of personality to him. But at the same time, it was also really creepy.
1: Yeah, and so he cause... goes up. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, because
0: I was going to say, you have this character that's like admiring his work as if he just made a work of art. But he's got this pale white mask and these dark black eye sockets. Yeah. It's and
1: just really creepy. You also get the scene literally right after where he... <laughs> I was laughing when we saw this. He walks upstairs. He has a bed sheet on. He took the dude's glasses. And he's just opens the door and he's just standing there. And the girl's like trying because she thinks it's her boyfriend, right? This so really funny, she has yeah. absolutely no idea that it's Michael Myers. So she's just sitting there, you know, in bed, pulls down the sheets, you know, shows off her breasts, see anything you like. And you know, well, come on, aren't you gonna give me my beer? And Michael's just standing there breathing, and it's just so, so funny. He's just taking in the <laughs> she, view. She she goes to call Lori because she's like, well, if I'm bored, I'm just gonna, you know, I bet I might as well get a little bit enjoying out of the day, you know, or the tonight. While you know, I'm bored out of my mind. So she calls Lori, and this Michael decides he's gonna strangle her with the cord on the phone, and it almost sounds, sounds like she's actually moaning into the phone. It's just one of those moments where it's like, uh, (laughs) that's pretty smart on Michael's end. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty smart. That's what it sounded like at first as well. (laughs) But I was like, man, this is ridiculous. You're not the (laughs) only one who thought that. Let's talk about the character of Loomis. Sam Loomis.
0: Sam Loomis. His doctor.
1: The guy with the gun. The devil's eyes. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Ah,
1: The trench coats.
0: Yeah, the one from the beginning that was heading to the mental asylum with that one girl
1: yes that's sam loomis okay played by the late gray donald pleasance
0: so i don't remember too much about this character in particular because the main focus was on michael myers and laurie
1: yes it's mostly about laurie just being stalked by this random creature and they actually don't ever call him well they call him michael but when you look at like merchandise and things and even in games like dead by daylight for example i know you don't play it but they actually refer to michael as the shape so
0: ah right i forgot that's what they called him yeah in that game
1: but anyway go ahead what what did you think of sam loomis
0: i thought he was a pretty interesting character because he's trying to follow this case from the beginning to the end right yeah trying to figure out where he went from this mental hospital and what he's doing right now. So he gets together with his buddy cop sure, and blanket. they're doing they're doing these stakeouts trying to, you know, scope the place where they think that he is. Eventually they do get a tip that he is there because the guy actually finds the car parked on the side of the street. So that's an immediate red flag. Okay, he's in the area. We need to find him. Otherwise he's going to do some bad stuff and bad
1: stuff he has done. One of the best parts that I loved about this movie, and I think it was even when I initially saw it, he really starts to sound about as crazy as all the patients that you'd presume that he's helped over the years. You know what I mean? Like he helps people in psychiatric wards. So these people, sometimes they don't, like a lot of them don't make that much sense or they're just really mentally incapable of, you know what I mean, like conveying and having conversations like we are now. And so they'll say some random stuff that makes no sense. And so you get this idea that Loomis is just as crazy as his patients, and that maybe it's Loomis that should have been locked away in the asylum. Because he says, I don't remember it exactly, so bear with me, but there's a line in in the movie somewhere where it goes something along the lines of, I was a psychiatrist for, like, 20 years. I spent eight of those years trying to figure out why he was locked up and then another seven trying to keep him in there. And everyone kind of just looks at him like, or, well, Sheriff Brackett looks at him like, What? Like, dude, what the heck? And it really says a lot to his character and the way that he, he's written and, and performed, Donald Pleasance portrays him, where it's just kind of like, is this doctor even making sense? Because to nobody, he, he doesn't make any sense to anybody. You know what I mean? He's talking about this kid's like the devil or something and, and how he's he's the devil's eyes. And and it just makes no sense. And I, So what did you think about how crazy he came off as?
0: I thought that was a really interesting way to go about his character. Because obviously you have that kind of weird situation where this guy who's been working at the mental hospital for so long potentially is taking on that insanity trait of the patients that he's been working with. And that is honestly something I never would have thought of before until you even just mentioned it now. I never assumes anything i was just watching the movie because it's a fun slasher film and then you bring this up and now it's challenging everything that i ever
1: thought of about the movie (laughs) and and one of my favorite parts is when you go back and you rewatch it like the way i did right so i'm watching it through more of a critical analysis kind of kind of perspective you're watching it more as a new welcome to the genre or you know new newcomer to this movie as a let's hang out
0: and exactly. watch a film together or just you know and get introduced to the whole field
1: i picked up on a few things some of which i can't actually remember right now but one of them i remember there's the scene where he pins the guy to the door well he actually walks through that room again with Lori when he's chasing Lori and the hole in the wall isn't there so they had to have shot that prior, or put a new door in. And it's just things like that where you really just get to see how the movie was made and how they did different shots and things. And it's not even obvious; like you won't notice it until I just point it out to you now. And it's also the blood. You know, I I didn't realize that there was no blood in the movie really until I went back and you know heard it somebody say it went back and rewatched it and there is a little bit of blood but again i i don't know if that's maybe just because they added it in or if it actually was there i think it actually was there the one time that they used it but they used it very sparingly i want to also get into the character of Lori strode and her dynamic with the kids but also as a character in the way that her character arcs so who is Lori strode exactly if you want
0: to road Uh, I don't remember exactly who she is as a person. You did mention the whole babysitter murders kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm assuming... I mean, this does does very well play out as an almost... Exactly like that. As some character who's just taking care of some children. And this guy comes in and starts slaying out a whole bunch of people.
1: So one of the things about Lori is... And I'll and I'll kind of get into this as well. Laurie Strode is this character that we 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 pick up with her initially, and she's just kind of like this that your average teenage college or well not even college high school student, right? You know, she's carrying her books around. She's got a few friends. She's pretty smart. She does pretty well in school, by the looks of things. And is a relatively innocent character, you know, everybody around her kind of looks at her like the nerd or somebody that's not really into parties or having a good time. And, and that's okay, you know, we all kind of know somebody like that in some ways, I think we all kind of are like that, you know.
0: Everyone's got their own
1: thing. Exactly, and, and one of the things that I loved was how different, how drastically different her character is at the very end. And what I mean is, and we don't see much after the encounter of Michael. Because at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, And go do yourself a huge, tremendous favor of watching this movie. One of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. And and go see it for yourself. But Michael gets shot six times at the very end of this. And he just disappears. Actually, I actually counted seven. Seven? Okay. So seven times, and he disappears. And you just see her and Loomis's reaction. And it's like what and so the whole thing is like well he's not the boogeyman the boogeyman doesn't exist and the kids are like well it's the boogeyman he's like she's like no no the boogeyman no he he doesn't exist and i'm here and even if he was real i wouldn't let him hurt you and it's kind of funny how that worked out by the way yeah that is one
0: small gripe that i had with the movie by the way the fact that laurie as a character completely denies the existence of this boogeyman even though throughout the film she's been stalked by some weirdo the entire time. So you'd think that she would be able to put two and two together, but apparently not. Well I think but, it's more you know.
1: so that it's just some random guy in a mask that's following her around. You know, I don't I wouldn't so, associate that individual as being the boogeyman, you know well, some maybe guy, so, but still a weird a happening
0: mask. is it's still a weird event. Like, yeah, but I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Like you, you wouldn't initially think that a random guy wouldn't have any you know stalking you would be a threat but once you start to pick up on that yeah i mean the boogeyman kind of is the form of whatever your biggest fears are and in that you know circumstance he kind of is the boogeyman and he is but one of the things that I loved was just like I was saying, though, how drastic her character is from beginning to end. You know, you, you see that how this trauma has an effect on her and you'll you'll get more of that in the next movie that we watch, which would be or, or in the series, which would be Halloween 2018. You'll really see how 40 years of this had an effect on her or how how, how this whole events of this movie had an effect on her over the last 40 years in the timeline. What I love is just how she has to step up and really defend herself, keep her promise that Michael's not going to hurt the kids. He doesn't seem interested in the kids, but it's just it's, it's so interesting to see how she reacts and kind of how we would all react in the same way, I think. I also wanted to get on to Michael as a character. What are your impressions of Michael Myers as a character? You know, the biggest thing, I think, is that he doesn't talk right? So, Freddy has a oh, personality. Yeah. Freddy's kind of easier to understand. Ghostface, same thing. Jason and Michael don't, but frankly I think Jason's kind of a rip-off of Michael if I'm being honest, but my, that's a whole other conversation. Sorry Jason fans, <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation we won't get into here, but what did you think of Michael as a character?
0: I thought he was really cool. Like, he didn't need to say much at all to be say this word. creepy terrifying force. He didn't say anything, and that is Perfectly fine. You need a killer, and you made a killer killer.
1: <laughs> well, and I think it also goes to the attribute of like the Joker, you know, in, in in DC Comics for Batman. People are very much afraid of what they don't understand, and I think that Michael Myers is a perfect depiction of this. We don't understand why he killed his sister. We don't understand why he wants Laurie Strode dead. We don't understand what his motives are and to a lot of people and kind of in some ways including myself deep down that is pretty terrifying you know you can't relate to him in any way he's a complete like out of the social norm and he's a stone cold killer who has no emotion and you can't even see his eyes So there is no way to connect, relate, or even understand this character and that I think is one of the best reasons that makes him so terrifying. You know you have a lot of movies today and I've not seen several of them, but like Annabelle and the Nun. Now my sister loves the Conjuring universe in terms of like the first Conjuring movie. She said the Nun was okay, she loves Annabelle, comes home. So I'm going to leave those alone for now. I kind of disagree, but then again, I haven't seen the movies for myself, so it's kind of hard for me to form that kind of opinion, and I don't want to be a hypocrite, but what I will say is, there are scenes in this movie where, when they're a jump scare, they normally nine times out of ten are starting a sequence, so when Michael comes on screen, the music kind of blasts, and then dun, dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. You know what I mean? So it's more of a suspenseful kicking off a segment, right? A lot of the horror films today, somebody's behind you, you turn around, and then the music just goes, boom! You know what I mean? It's like, oh, crap! And that kind of goes back to the Hitchcock mentality or the Hitchcock idea of if we're talking about baseball and there's a bomb under the table and I show the bomb and then I come back up. Well, we don't know when the bomb's going to go off or, you know, like it's a time bomb. We don't know when it's going to go off. We don't know if, you know, we know that the characters don't seem aware that it's there, but we don't know how long these characters have because it could be film time. It could be real time. It could just be a fictional amount of time. We don't know. But let's say that the characters are talking about baseball and we, we, like the characters, don't know that there's a bomb under the table and it just blows up. That's shock. But the initial example I gave where we see the time bomb and we pan back up, that's suspense. So with this, when Michael comes up the stairs and is going for Lori, that's suspense. When the nun pops out of a corner and goes, bleh, that's shock. So it's like, okay. I think that's kind of what also adds to this. The fact that you have John Carpenter is such a, just a mastermind of his field. And just him and, what's her name? Oh, I'm not going to forget it. Deborah Hill. So I think the fact that they knew John Carpenter and Deborah Hill kind of knew what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it, it, it makes it so much better. And then you have a movie like in which, I don't get me wrong, I know it's for a comedy and it's supposed to be bad, but like, it, it makes no sense. There's not even really a plot. It just it, It's a headache. You know what I mean? They're drastically different. And they're made for almost the same amount of money. Or at least a maybe slightly different ballpark. So that's kind of what I think there. You know, it, when, when you have knowledge... I don't think it matters how much money you put into a movie. If you know what you're doing and can work with what you have this is a prime example of just that. You can make a great movie. Money is not everything. Look at the Transformers movies, okay? Especially the last few, except for Bumblebee. I haven't seen Bumblebee, but I hear it's pretty good. They're just big budget CGI pieces of metal, you know? You don't need all that. You just need a know what you're doing you know and i think that's a testament to that you need a great script great actors and you know great plot and a great cast the budget doesn't matter it's it's what you make of it i think and that's what this film stands for to me (laughs) i'm gonna let you add something you haven't said a word in like 15 minutes bro i'm not gonna care because you You had a lot of good stuff that you
0: had to say yeah like i agree wholeheartedly with pretty much everything that you've said word for word And I would even say take a look at Power Rangers, for instance. Oh, Power Rangers! That's a whole thing where, yeah, that's another perfect example because you just have these guys. I just want to elaborate real
1: quick. The shows (laughs) you're talking about the shows, not the movie. Yeah, you you just have these guys that are
0: just in these random suits acting weird and dumb. Like if you were to go back and look at it today. It would be really silly and goofy and you just roll your head like oh my gosh this is cringe it still is but it's
1: still but well yeah but no but it's yeah it's
0: still laid a foundation for what it is today and speaking of foundation I want to know what you think about this movie compared to modern day horror like the journey that the film industry has had since movies like this
1: so that kind of a discussion would make a perfect episode in and of itself but and and i'd have to do some research what i'm gonna say though is this and we kind of talked about this when you asked me because you had a really good question for me you said you asked me last night when we watched this movie and and it was done you said when does it go downhill and i kind of walked you through the halloween timeline you know the sequels the mask started to look worse and worse and worse up to the point where in H2O they actually put a CG mask on somebody, which looked absolutely horrendous. Oh
0: God! Yeah, I remember uh, that.
1: They they then rebooted it, and the mask looked pretty good in the first Rob Zombie movie. The second one, it was just torn half off. Uh, I haven't even seen that one because I hear it so bad. But he does actually. They they did add something new to that movie, by the way. Rob Zombie. Had them add in the grunts, so when Michael actually stabs like a nurse in in the hospital, because it takes it follows kind of the loosely follow, it kind of starts to split off in the second movie, but it loosely follows the originals. He actually grunts when he's stabbing people, and adds a little more oomph to his character, makes him a, little, a quite a little bit more intimidating. But going back to your a little initial, bit
0: more human too in a way,
1: yeah, and, and it's fine to humanize him, but not too much because that's a very risky area that you're into but to go back to your initial question about comparing this to modern day horror again that's a whole episode in of itself and i won't go too deep about it but what i will say is it's a matter of this hollywood wants money Everybody in the world wants money. And that's fair. It's okay. That's perfectly normal and human to want money. We all need it to survive. Can't live without it. Some can't live with it. Personally, I can't stand it sometimes. But anyway, uh, so the problem comes from this. When a movie is successful in Hollywood, Hollywood needs a sequel like this, like that, right? They need they need to start pumping these movies out. They need to start striking while the iron's hot. You'll see this in Paranormal Activity. You'll you see you've seen this in Halloween. You'll especially see this with Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street, and especially Jason Voorhees as well. Like Jason goes to hell. I mean, come on. But they they went ahead and they they did something like or actually no, i'm sorry jason x jason x was ridiculous jason in space why is he in space who cares we just wanted to put him in space for money but let me get back to this i think the issue with modern day horror is we have a problem where we're so afraid to deviate off of what we know will succeed and we're so, we seem so hesitant now to actually take a, a, a leap of faith or take a step off of the path in front of us because the path represents everything that we know is going to succeed. Jump scares, apparently, according to Hollywood, seem to work. I mean, Conjuring and stuff. Yeah, and I haven't seen Conjuring, so I'm not going to bash it too hard. But, you know, films like that, and, and it's, it's like... Yeah, jump scares are initially kind of make you jump in your seat. But I think there goes more into it. And in my personal view, I firmly believe that a movie doesn't need to be scary. A movie needs to be disturbing. And what I mean is the shock value is there. Yeah, we can have people jump out of their seats. But I love a movie that makes you think. And Halloween is almost just that, you know why is michael after lori you know combining this or comparing this to the modern day in the sense of because we're so scared to take a step off that path and deviate to into the unknown uncharted territory of original horror you don't see many people doing like what jordan peele's doing for example or a lot of Chris Nolan in his own field. It's not horror, but it, it's he's doing his own thing. You don't get a lot of those kinds of people anymore, and when you do, it, it's it's remarkable, and it's a breath of fresh air. It might be terrible, yeah. Some people, I know not everybody likes Us, but when I talk to them, it's very hard for them to discredit the film Us on the basis that it's an original idea, and it's not like anything they've really seen quite like that movie and that's the problem i have with hollywood and horror today we did an episode on it we're going to do another one with you and me for sure one of these days in the future but i kind of think i i may i haven't listened to it in a while but i might have touched base on it because there's no originality and we're trying to stick to what we know the well is drying up fast and when it dries out if it hasn't already Hollywood's going to be an awake, uh, like a huge, huge pickle. They're going to get a wake-up call. People don't care about being just spooked. Like, but They really want to think, even if they don't admit it. And you're not letting them do that. You're just you're showing them some demon that's chasing them around a the house for two and a half hours. Like, good, but why, you know? So uh, that's where I'm at. Anyway, I want you to get. I want to get you going over here. Yeah, we I'm definitely
0: gonna... got to come back to this at some point we as will. its own separate episode. We will. In fact, I've already prepared a page of my notes specifically for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what you've been doing this whole episode. Which... <laughs> I want to get your, anyways, get, get your feedback on this. So, yeah, if you have anything you want to add, <laughs> I know it's mostly so been I... me talking, but. You know, I'm very passionate about this, and I always tell people... When you're well, I can tell. When you're very passionate about something, go for it. You know, I... I the reason we do this is because we want to give our thoughts and opinions on movies and things we love, and that's just what this is. So, sorry if it feels like I'm rambling on <laughs> for, like, 45 minutes, but... It, it I'm just really, wondering how
0: much of it I'll have to edit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it really does matter because if if we don't start telling Hollywood that we're tired of just jump scares they're not even scary anymore jump scares it's so predictable that you know the monster's in the closet and when the main character is a complete and total incompetent moron opens up the closet door and gets scared it's like it, it doesn't matter it's boring now like you're literally just throwing money at a screen it's nothing anymore that's Freddy was good because Freddy was a monster that talked you know nobody really talked when they killed people to my knowledge and you know Leatherface didn't I know and I'm pretty sure I haven't seen Psycho I will be changing that for sure the original especially Uh, obviously that's why I'm gonna watch the original Psycho Alfred Hitchcock but like and that's one of my movies to watch actually this for this season of Halloween but anyway you don't really get a lot of these characters that talk and really have a basis Freddy's a dream demon that's why he works so well he's different the nun is just a demon that's running around chasing people paranormal activity is just some demon running around a house chasing people and then there's like a random cult or some weird nonsense that we need to shoehorn in and freak people out with and then you got like I don't know La Llorona who's just a culturally appropriated ghost why couldn't it have been set in mexico you ask because we don't want it we we, we don't want it to be we want it to be set in la what's well, a mexican folklore it should probably take place in mexico chucky worked because nobody's really seen a killer doll like that before that's why i love the new chucky so much it's a robot that gets like glitched out and programmed to kill people you don't see that very much. And it's a new take on an old character. It's perfect because of that. I don't even really go for Chucky too much. But I love that movie because it's a new take on a familiar character. That's what we need.
0: Yeah, so when it comes to me and this movie compared to you know, what we can make in the modern age, there is a lot more higher quality stuff that you can do. With current technologies. Like again. Black phone. I keep coming back to this movie. But it's still one of my favorites. Alongside us. Alongside Nope. But there's just so many. Cool things that you can do. Just to. Bring. The whole movie together. But to see where. Where the staple was with a movie like this you can definitely tell that movie making has come a long way with such a low budget that this movie had 375 25 Uh, you said
1: 325 i'm just gonna make sure 325 yeah 325 yeah
0: with a budget of three hundred twenty-five thousand, they were able to make it work so nicely and it's just so i i don't know what the word is satisfying yeah i guess yeah that's a good to one. see to see where all of this started from
1: i want to ask you one more thing john carpenter is the one that composed the music wrote the story directed it we can't go on halloween without mentioning the music what did you think of the music
0: it was perfect it was perfect for the movie because it gives you a familiar tune one that is so catchy that you will not forget it no matter how hard you may try like i even knew the tune of halloween before i even seen the movie and that's the whole thing with music theory You need to make something that is memorable. This is something that I've seen in a video before talking about why Mario music is so catchy. And it's because you have this familiar tune to it. It's simple, but it gets the job done and it catches on. And I guarantee you, you will not forget. What you heard is now a memory.
1: What I'm gonna say is this. You're going to... And this is what I love about the newer Halloween movies as well. You're going to hear the theme evolve over the next three movies. And I guarantee you Halloween Ends is going to do it. And, you know, it's kind of building off of something previously established. I love that. I love kind of like a... Let's take something familiar and kind of mess with it a little bit. In a good way. In a positive way. Make it a little... You know, the same thing but a little bit different. Tweak it a little... They brought John Carpenter back, and John Carpenter said, I'll be an executive producer or whatever, but I also want to compose the music with my grandkids. So they said, Okay. So he hasn't written or done any of the writing for these movies, to my knowledge, up to this point. I haven't looked for ends, but just going off of memory, I think it's somebody else in Bloom House or whatever that's writing these. And so he's, but he's helping. They're going to him as the creator of this series this franchise this movie to do it now he didn't want this to become a franchise and I perfectly perfectly understand why and believe that maybe we shouldn't have gotten anything after Halloween 3 but yeah that's enough about that I'm gonna go ahead and close this out since you did the intro if that's cool unless you want to close this out you know what you close this out I've been talking the whole episode (laughs) the least you could do is carry me to the end come on
0: I'm pretty sure our audience here is kind of tired of your voice at this Probably.
1: point. <laughs> well, do you have anything else you wanted to add before we... Not really. Out?
0: Just uh, just other than the fact that it was really nice to finally sit down and watch where horror movies have started from. I mean, we still have yet to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Well, I but think this, Psycho. Again, Psycho, I think, is the actual oh, actually, yes. original... The, the original Psycho, I think, is the the absolute like beginning of modern slashers. This is kind of the modern day like introduction to the Golden Age. This is my final thought. Psycho was the beginning, right? Psycho was like the Superman of comic books. Superman was like the first superhero of the modern day. And then we got into the Golden Age. Michael started the Golden Age. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of sort of did, but it was more of a creep factor. It wasn't really a I wouldn't label it a slasher, but actually it is, but you know what I mean? Like You'll see when you see it you'll understand what I'm trying to say. It's there, I guess, but Michael was like the staple of where, okay well now we have Jason, now we have Freddy now we have Ghostface, you know what I mean? And then Ghostface was one of those things where it was like, well now we can kind of make fun of the genre of horror as a whole, you know, kind of the tropes. And then I think the modern day, it's very hard for me to label any of the modern day slashers because they're they're all kind of rebooted versions of the 80s characters. And that's why I think the 80s were like the golden age of film, but another conversation for another time.
0: Either way, so my closing thoughts on this is just, I'm really excited to continue further on all of this and see more of what, really brought horror film to where it currently is or at least what started the path to where we are now it's just something really nice to go back and see where things started from never forget where you came from
1: honestly unless you're hollywood well yeah hollywood always forgets too late for them anyways well, Enough of that. It's also an indie film, apparently. Some categorize it as an indie film. There's a thing here on independentmagazine.org. It's uh, essays. The Michael Myers Impact by Lauren Biella, How Halloween grew from an indie film to a phenomenon influencing an entire genre. You know, people have done essays on this, so I encourage you guys to go out and do some research. Get into this field because we need original ideas in this industry And we can only come up with so much. And that's where we need new storytellers, new writers, new film creators, content creators. Heck, YouTube. Create independent films on YouTube if that's what it takes. Do something. If you have an original idea and you don't think it's going to work, try it anyway. Because you might just be the next Halloween or the next
0: cycle. You never know if something's going to work out. Exactly. So just... Take something that you want. Take that passion and put your everything into it because it can and will pay off.
1: All right, now you really need to close this out because I'm starting to break off. Yeah, this is dragging
0: on way too long. Yep. Thank you guys so much for sticking around with us this long. I have no idea how long it's actually going to be in post, but.
1: good luck if you enjoyed this up ep- <laughs> oh
0: yeah it's gonna be fun though I I will say I'm very much looking forward to this compared to Lomageddon
1: oh my gosh dude this is gonna be a way more much I, I'm hoping this will be much more listenable or rewatch value whatever anyway re-listen value it'll have a lot more than Lama again I'm sure Lomageddon <laughs> was just we need to do something stupid let's do it
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll be doing more of that sometime. But anyways, thank you for listening to us. If you want to reach us in any form, you have an email that you can send a message to called thefilmfreaks01 at gmail.com. I also run the Twitter. You can send a tweet or a DM. The Twitter for that is at filmfreaks underscore pod. We also have an Instagram and a TikTok. Both of those are Film Freaks pod, no underscore. I
1: think you did a great job. Now, folks, I want to challenge you guys upon ending this episode. I don't know how many people are going to make it this far, but if you have, again, we really want to thank you. But I want to encourage you to email us at thefilmfreaks01 at gmail.com. And I want you to give us your opinion on this topic because I want to hear what everybody else has to say. You know, I, I want to hear why maybe... Horror isn't what it used to be, or you know, what you thought of this movie. I mean, it doesn't have to be just what you thought of Halloween '78, but I want you to really get involved in this discussion. And we will share it in the next episode, or you know, whenever we go back and you know, we check our emails frequently, or at least try to. And so, even if you have any counterpoints to any of the things that we've said, we want to hear your opinion. Knock, knock, knock my points down. I set up the pins, now knock them down. You know what I mean. So disprove or prove or add your own conversation, discussion to the fire. This is a discussion that needs to be had and we will go on to again in the hopefully near future. Actually, with it being October, we probably should. So we'll write this down in the Google Doc we have and we'll come back to it, I assure you guys. So yeah, thanks again for listening. And this has been another episode of The Film Freaks. We love you guys. And uh, we want to welcome you to the... Spooktober? no Spooktober's done no somebody's already done that we got to come up with something like a name for this that nobody else has done we want to welcome you to hollow hollow fest 2022 whatever this is welcome to the scary movie season okay good <laughs> it's gonna be a fun one all right we got a lot of good stuff in store for you it certainly so. will so stay tuned
0: i'm really looking forward to what else we've got in store
1: dude horror is my genre you're gonna love this All right, we'll catch you guys later. Love you very much, and we'll see you all next week.
0: Stay safe out there. Peace.